All right, well, today we are talking about clear conscience. If you're following along in the workbook uh, that goes with the Seeking Him study, uh, you already know that this chapter, this concept is really important to your spiritual growth, to your opportunities in the future, uh, because this is where, when it comes to dealing with our past, we take initiative and we make things right that we have the power to make right. And that's so important for, um, for every one of us because it frees us to live the life that God designed for us and to actually experience in a tangible way the freedom that Jesus died to provide. And, uh, and so I love this topic. This has changed my life and has resulted in a lot of uh, just a, a different track for me, and I'll explain that in a little while. Um, but the concept of having a clear conscience goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the sense of shame and guilt that comes when we disobey God or when we harm one another. And, and all of us have this sort of referee in our mind. And when we step over the line, the referee bro- blows the whistle, and then we secretly feel something. We either feel shame, we feel guilt, we feel anger. Uh, sometimes we feel the impulse to keep it to ourselves and to not let anyone else know the truth. That's our conscience at work. Uh, conscience very simply means with knowledge, con science. It's with knowledge. And so it's like when you know something in your heart isn't quite right, your conscience isn't clear because you know. And even if no one else knows, you know. Um, and here God offers us a path forward to a clear conscience uh, based in our, our relationship with him and in our relationships with other people if we're willing to take some important steps. And that's what we'll walk through today. All right, but be, before we get to that, I have a theory question for you. And here it is. What's wrong with the Old Testament law? You know, the New Testament comes along and changes up things quite a bit, adds a lot. Uh, you could say, well, what was wrong with the Old Covenant, the, old, the, the, the law that Moses gave Obviously, it wasn't the whole story because God had to add a lot to it. What was wrong with it? What was deficient about it? To get the answer to that, I'd like you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. And here we see the idea of conscience and why God is interested in not just sort of our legal forgiveness, but in our consciences being clear. So, Hebrews chapter 9, we'll start reading down in verse 12. Speaking of Jesus, uh, our great high priest, the final sacrifice for our sins, it says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. You're looking at a picture here or a depiction of what that ancient, um, with the ancient temple, what might have looked like and how there were different courtyards and People could come only so close to the holy place, and priests could get a little bit closer, but essentially no one could go to the most holy place because no human being was really clear. Uh, And so it was like the guilt of sin kept them far from God, and it was illustrated in the way that the tabernacle and the temple were laid out in the Old Testament law. So even as you would go to church in their day, it was almost like the church reminded you of how faulty you were. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a place of grace. It was a place of coming for some sort of atonement, some sort of covering. But, But every aspect of it just reminded you of how far you were from the holiness 
and the purity of the Lord, how much you'd broken his law. So they would bring animal sacrifice, bulls and goats, and that's what it talks about here. And no matter how many times people would go through the rituals of, of the purifications and the cleansing and all the ceremonial law, it still, at the end of the day, left them guilty because the whole thing just reminded them of how far from God they actually were. All right, we'll keep reading down to verse 13. It says, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies, like sort of externally, from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from evil deeds so that we can worship the living God. For the, by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God promised them. And so here comes Jesus, not, not, not against this old sacrificial system, but the one who would fulfill it. The one who would, he would offer a sacrifice that would end all other sacrifices. And when he would die as that sacrificial lamb, um, he would take our sins, not just and cover them up, not just sort of deal with them in the moment, but fully remove them and redeem us forever. The old system couldn't cleanse your conscience. All it could do was cover your sin. Jesus comes along and says, not only will my sacrifice cover you, but I will cleanse you, and you will be a new creation. And the old you will pass away, and a new you will come, and you'll be transformed, and you can be holy. And so you can stand there in confidence, knowing even though you have a record, that record has been cleared by the power and by the grace of Jesus. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. It says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, and here's what's so sad about the Old Testament, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, Lord, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Verse 10, if you jump down, says, For God's will for us was that we be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, it was sort of a temporary solution. It was a way of being obedient. Like if you sinned, there was now a debt to justice that was owed, and you would go and you would try to pay that debt, but it was, only sort of an, it was only sort of a temporary way of handling it. When Jesus comes along, he says, you know what, there's nothing that you can ha do in this world, there's no sacrifice you can bring, there's no amount of good that you could ever conjure up that would pay your debt 
to the law, and so I'll pay it for you. I'll clear your conscience. I'll purify you from within. So conscience issues, if you think of it this way, are ultimately accounting issues. Okay, and here's what I mean. They arise when we have knowledge of an unpaid debt. So if you do something wrong to someone else, if you, you know, speak an angry word to them, if you steal something from them, if you, if you wrong them, if you, if you hurt their feelings, you walk away from that, and, and if you were looking at it on an accounting ledger, you just took out a loan of their, uh, from them. You just took something from them that now justice would say you need to pay back. And, and so no matter what it is, even the smallest infraction would, would say, like, if, if, if so for example, if you, you know, steal $5 from me, I might say, hey, that doesn't really bother me that much, that doesn't hurt me that much, but there actually still is an accounting problem, right? And you accountants would know you can't just let a $5 deficit go. Like, it has to be balanced somehow. It has to reconcile. And so what will happen to us is, is as, we, as we essentially indebt ourselves to others by sinning, we end up with a whole bunch of accounts that aren't balanced out there. First of all, our account with God and the debt to justice we would owe, but then to one another, all the hurtful things you've said, all the things you've taken, all the ways you didn't serve your employer correctly, all, all those different things build up in your conscience because your conscience is the with knowledge part of your brain. You have knowledge that you did something wrong and that not everything is right. Even if the other person has no idea you did wrong to them, your conscience knows. And that unpaid debt is, is what would cause for us guilt and shame. Okay, so you could, you could look at all the negatives of this. As our, as our debt burden starts to grow in our lives, like as we proceed along doing our own thing and we hurt people and there's a little collateral damage here and we take something that didn't belong to us or we, we hurt a person's feelings, our sense of fellowship with God and other people, we start to lose that. In the Bible, it says our sins separate us from God. Why is that? It's because the, the more debt we accrue, it's the more we have to stand back and say, I, I can't be in his presence. And then what it starts to do is even in our interpersonal relationships, we start standing back because we know how much we owe that person. And so we can't treat them the same as we would have anymore. We feel like we're a step removed. And if you owe a person a lot, you might try to avoid them completely because there's no fellowship left. There's no ability to just connect because both of you know something's wrong. Our accounts don't balance. All right, Our credit that we have for kind of the grace and mercy of others starts to evaporate. So if you think of it, if you, if you live kind of a generally positive life and you have good friends and you wrong one of those friends, chances are they'll extend some credit to you on the balance sheet. Right? Like that one sin won't ruin your relationship. Depends on what it is, but assume it's a smaller thing. Um, they might just give you some grace. They might say, well, nobody's perfect. It's okay. We'll work it out. Uh, but what if you do that same thing 10 times or 100 times? Or what if everyone who knows you knows that you always violate people's trust and you never ultimately do the right thing? Well, pretty soon other people don't look at you graciously and mercifully anymore. You lose your sense of fellowship with them and you lose the sense of ability to connect with them and then your, your ability to fulfill your mission in life is compromised you really can't go out and boldly do god's will if you're carrying around this big sack of debt behind you in your conscience our confidence to take forward steps 
starts to diminish because you, you, you start saying like, I'd love to get involved in ministry, I'd love to do something good, but I can't because everybody knows what a mess I am, or I can't because I would have to admit something. Or, so you, you, you stop your forward motion as a person, and you also lose your ability to really pray. Because every time you pray, you feel like you just need to confess sins. Like there's never a time when you would get to celebrate or love God or have a conversation with Him because everything is clouded over by all this guilt you're carrying around. Okay, so, so here's a statement to kind of sum up the problem, and then we'll jump to the solution. All right, our conscience demands justice when our debts are unpaid. If we pridefully ignore conscience, we move quickly into guilt, shame, sorrow, and resentment. Because what you end up doing is you end up sitting alone and sad. And you end up getting angry that people don't trust you and there's no real path forward for you. You might even get angry at God for the fact that you feel all this weight of guilt on you. And, and you read the Bible and that doesn't take away the guilt because it just kind of confirms, yeah, there's a huge problem here. So kind of gets to an important question that we all have to ask. How do we clear our conscience since we know that none of us actually have been righteous our whole lives, we know that for sure we have a debt toward God that has to be cleared. And probably we have debts one to another that have to be cleared. What do we do about all of that? All right, so I'll just give it to you in sort of two steps and hopefully get you started on the track toward the joy of what it would look like to be truly clear. All right, so here's the first one. Begin with confession to God. In 1 John, it says, If we claim we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says that we have an advocate, Jesus, who would stand in our defense. He, he, paid, the, the, he paid the price for us to be free from all of this. And so at the moment our conscience would accuse us, as the moment that guilt would come up, Jesus is the one standing there saying, if you confess, if you're honest, if you're humble, God loves you and this is all forgiven. Psalm 32, which we'll read in a little while, um, says so clearly that there is joy, there is excitement, there is release for people who are forgiven, who don't have that sack of debt and burden carrying, that they have to carry around. So to clear your conscience with God, and this is sort of the first half, and then we have to look at people too, uh, here, here's sort of the process that we go through. First, we humbly confess, and that's what I did was wrong. Like, Lord, I agree with you that I sinned. I agree with you that this lust was wrong or this, this act of greed was, was evil. I agree with you that my anger was out of place. I, I agree with you that the words I spoke weren't, weren't helpful to people. So, Lord, I agree I've sinned. Uh, then we receive God's grace, so we realize, uh, Lord, I can't ever repay you, so I'm not going to pretend like I could uh, somehow do something to counterbalance the wrong that I did. Lord, I need your grace. Uh, we ask, Lord, will you forgive my sins based on the sacrificial payment that Jesus made? And, if, and the answer, here's the good news, the answer in the Bible is, is his answer to you is yes. Uh, that's what becoming a Christian is all about, is just ultimately confessing to God, I need you. And he applies the sacrifice of Jesus to your account so that when it comes to the scales of justice up there in the sky somewhere, you balance. And it's not because you earned it, it's because God gives you this incredible gift of forgiveness. And then repent. And that's you say, Lord, I wish to live your way instead of my way. 
Remember what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery and everybody was getting ready to stone her? And then Jesus said, well, whoever is without sin can cast the first stone. And everyone had to sort of walk away in humility because no one deserves to be the one who is the judge. What did Jesus say to her? Your sins are forgiven, but go and sin no more. Um, that is, it, it, as, you, as your conscience is now cleared with God, as your heart is now renewed, the cleansing is, is there so that you can actually get on with the life you're supposed to be living, not just stay stuck in some sort of endless cycle of sin and, sinning and then confession. Okay, so God freely offers forgiveness, which would lead to your clear conscience, to anyone who is willing to humble themselves. Where it gets a little bit more tricky for all of us is when we're dealing with one another. Okay, so this is the second piece. You follow up your confession with God, confessing and making restitution with people that you've wronged. Okay, in Matthew, uh, Jesus was teaching and he said, if you're ready to give a gift at the temple and you're ready for that sacrifice to be made and you realize in that moment, ah, someone has something against me, it actually says, leave your gift, go and be reconciled to whoever that person is and then come back and finish your act of worship. So he says the priority here is utmost. There's nothing else in your Christian life that's going to be as important as clearing your conscience and making sure that things are right, first between you and the Lord, and then between you and other people. Okay, and then in Luke 19, a great story of Zacchaeus, who was that tax collector that had a huge debt of sin against other people racked up because he had been actually cheating people and Uh, As he would collect the taxes, he was accumulating far more than he should have had. And so when he encountered Jesus, it says he stood up and he said, "From, from this point forward, I'm going to pay back everything four times, whatever I took, and I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. Uh, it, was, it was his expression of gratitude to Jesus, but it was also like, now that I'm right with God, I can't leave these unpaid debts with other people lingering. I have to, I have to go make those things right. And so Zacchaeus is a great example of one who did that. So if you're clearing your conscience with other people, here would be kind of a process to think through. Uh, Humbly confess, this starts the same way as clearing your conscience with God, what I did was wrong. So you go to the person, you say, you know, when I I said those things about you, I I was wrong. Uh, When I took this from you, I was wrong. When I... Uh, when I didn't follow through on what I promised, I was wrong. You're, you're confessing to the people uh, what it was that was wrong. You're agreeing. You're not making excuse. Okay, and then you make restitution. That is, when it's possible, you pay back. So if you stole $50 from someone, there's no reason to go and like plead for forgiveness. Pay them back the $50. Like Make restitution for the thing that you took. Okay, and then below the red line there, this is where, so that you have total control of the first two when you're working with other people. You can confess and you can, you can make restitution if, if there's a way to turn it into numbers or turn it into some way of repayment. What you can't do on your own, what requires the other person's engagement are the next two steps, and that is ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me for wronging you? Now, they may not choose to, but at that point it becomes something that's on their conscience, not yours, okay? But there's still this process you have to go through and very humbly ask for forgiveness. Uh, For Melissa and I, with our kids, one of the things that we try to instill as a pattern is like when when someone wrongs another, you know, the the instinct is to say, I'm sorry, and then walk away. But I'm sorry is really kind of a cheap version of the first step, right? Just kind of confessing that something wasn't quite right, and I'm sorry. But, But I'm sorry doesn't require any humility 
to say. And so we, we actually make them go to the next step. You can say, I'm sorry, if you want to. You have to admit specifically what you did, and then you have to ask for forgiveness. So I'm sorry for lying about you. Will you forgive me? That's another layer. That's another step of humility. And then seeking res- reconciliation would be the next step. And this isn't always possible. Uh, but when it is, it might start with a question like this. What would it take to heal our relationship, to restore our fellowship? Um, and that's, that's a process that might take a lot longer to ever complete than just simply the, the first, you know, just confessing. What I, what I notice that some people do is they'll, they'll, they'll humbly confess and then they'll expect reconciliation. Now, you really can't, really can't play it that way. Um, you confess, you make restitution where possible, ask for forgiveness, and then you pray and say, Lord, I, I want reconciliation in this relationship, but I'm not owed that. Um, and in fact, I, if, if I was on the other side of this, I might not want to have the relationship healed. And that's where you pray and ask God to, to give you wisdom as far as how to go forward. So my experience with this in my life is that it's well worth it to pursue a clear conscience. Um, that, that when you go to bed at night and you can put your head on your pillow and you can think about your life, your relationships, your relationship with the Lord, and, and you can't think of anything that's wrong with another person that you haven't at least taken the first couple steps to work out, that's an amazing feeling of freedom, an amazing place to be. And so one encouragement I would have for you is that if something is important enough for you to remember and think about, it means it's important enough for you to deal with. And so, sure, if you were to open up your past or if you were to have an interview with Chris Lowry, you could probably uncover things that you don't even remember that you did wrong that were from a long time ago. Um, if, if the Lord brings those to mind, deal with them. Why not? Um, but what I'm talking about is when, you, when you're wearing it, when you're carrying it around, when it feels like a debt, when something's out of balance, go ahead and make this right. Um, I, I've had a couple experiences with this through the years. One that I remember from being a kid, um, I... I was, my friend had this amazing foreign coin collection. Uh, missionaries would stay at his house. His parents were hosts frequently. And so he would always collect foreign coins from all the missionaries that would come. And one day I was over at his house and he, he showed me his collection. It was all amazing. And he actually gave me a couple coins from other countries, which you know, I was really grateful for, but apparently not grateful enough because when he left the room... I actually stole some more of his coins, which is like going back, I just think, man, that was really a terrible thing to do after he'd already been generous, right? And, uh, and so for years, when I would think about clear conscience, that thought would pop into mind. And, and so not that long ago, sadly, I actually finally decided to make that right. And, and the only way I could think of was the first two steps, right? Humbly confess, make restitution, um, and so, I mean, these were just, it was like a few pesos. It wasn't worth, like, numerically a whole lot of money, but, but there was a problem. There was something out of balance. And so I wrote a letter to him. I figured out where he lived, uh, sent him a check for $20, and just said, you know, hey, here's this crazy thing I did back when we were in fourth grade. I, I, I just, you know, it keeps coming to mind, so I need to deal with this. And um, there was another time that I was at a store in Arkansas, and I was on a traveling team at the time, and I needed a piece of software. I went into the store, and they had put price tags on all the software, and it was all the same thing, and $99, $99, $69, $99, $99. Well, which one did I pick? 
as a good shopper would, I grabbed the $69 one and went up to the register and figured, well, they're going to catch it. I mean, it's obviously wrong. I knew, I knew that. Uh, they rang it up. Um, the guy typed in, he actually corrected the price in the thing, and I went out the door thinking like, hey, I got a good deal, and immediately my conscience hit me because I had knowledge that nobody else had. I had knowledge that really an honest person would have said, hey, I think the price tag's wrong, but I didn't say that. And, and so for a couple weeks, I had the software on my computer. I was starting to use it. It was like a, some sort of publisher thing, and I'm actually using it to like write Christian stuff with. And I thought, you know, I just, I just can't do Like I, I need to make this right. Like the account's out of balance. No one will ever find out, but I know, and it's bothering me. And so I sent a check for the other $30 back to that store. I tracked down its address. And uh, a couple weeks later, I got a letter back from the store with my check voided and a $25 gift certificate. And they said, you're the most honest customer we've ever had. We, we just want to reward you for that. I thought, wow, the clear conscience stories don't always end quite that happily uh, where you get more than you started with. But, uh, but for me, I was able to go to sleep that night and feel like, okay, that it's, it's clear. Now, there's a lot of issues that you and I might have in our past that are deeper than those examples and more serious and more hurtful things that aren't as easy as writing a check to fix or saying, you know, just going and kind of having a conversation. There might be layers that need to be unpacked and counselors that need to be engaged or authorities that need to be called. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of wrongs that we commit one to another uh, that need to be worked out. But my encouragement to you is that it's well worth it uh, to take those steps. So just to send you out with um, perhaps a little bit of motivation toward this, I want to share, share with you a couple reasons why this is so helpful. Here's the first one. A clear conscience empowers our prayers. Okay, in Hebrews, a little bit later in the textual reading, it says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And so unlike those Old Testament people that had to sort of stand back from the holiness of God, who had to make sure they were on the right side of the curtain, who could never really approach personally the holy place, because of what Jesus has done for us, we actually get to pray and go right into God's presence. Uh, We don't have to go through intermediaries. We don't have to play games to try to make sure we're worthy to step forward. No, we get to walk right in as a son or daughter of the king. And that's because of what Jesus makes possible. It's because he can cleanse your conscience uh, because his sacrifice pays off the debt that you owe to God. Um, However, and we could talk about this more in depth if you need to, but I don't know that the sacrifice of Jesus pays off your debt to other people. And that's why this is an important thing to work through. Your debt with God, your relationship with God can be clear, but now it's on you then to go and to wherever it's in your power make things right with people around you on the basis of how much God has forgiven you. All right, our, our clear conscience confirms our credibility, uh, which is so exciting to think that, that you could stand free and clear in front of people, and like Paul, you could say, I'm, I'm living with a clear conscience. I don't know that there's anyone, I'm not holding any secrets. There's nothing, there's nothing I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that you'll find out. And so maybe, maybe, Chris, like you look at that, maybe Paul actually could have been one of the people, the one person in history who could have put everything on his form because he's like, brothers, I've lived with a clear conscience. Uh, There's really nothing I have to hide. A clear conscience fills us with joy. 
And that's Psalm 32, which we've looked at a couple times in our Seeking Him series. It's such a great chapter about confession and freedom. It says, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And so sometimes we think we're gaining something by keeping a secret what our faults are. The Bible says it's just the opposite. And when we're open, when we're honest, when we're transparent, when we confess, that's when we get joy. That's when we step into freedom. And then finally, a clear conscience empowers our witness. So you, as you go out to fulfill your mission for Jesus in the world this week, will be that much bolder and that much stronger, that much more credible as a witness if your conscience is clear. First Peter says, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But keep your conscience clear, because that's the secret to the power of all of that. Uh, that means you're not a hypocrite as you share with other people because you've dealt with the things uh, that need to be dealt with and now you're ready to go. So to me, I look at this as so pivotal because sometimes in our lives, we're, we're waiting like we think, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for the mission that's in front of me, the adventure God wants me to live. If you'll clear your conscience before God through what Jesus did and confessing to him and then clear your conscience with others as much as it's in your power, you'll be released uh, to do things that um, God has called you to do, things that will be exciting, things that will be effective. And it just starts with the humility uh, to go ahead and pursue this process. All right, so I want to pray for you, uh, that God would give you the grace to pursue a clear conscience, and, uh, and maybe just for a moment to search all of our hearts and to surface anything that maybe there's even someone in the room here we need to go to and say, hey, I, I need to confess something, I need to work something out. Um, in pursuit of a clear conscience. So let's pray about that. Lord, we're really thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus paying our debt. Thank you for the gospel that gives us so much freedom and excitement about our life and our future that we don't have to be burdened by sin and our past anymore. Lord, now as we, as we stand up free from our guilt according to the law, um, we also look at one another and recognize that you've called us to make things right. Uh, you've called us to be open and honest with each other so that nothing would be between us and our fellowship and that nothing would be between us and our mission in life. So would you give us the courage and the humility to pursue a clear conscience? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, God bless you as you go uh, and continue seeking him this week.